0: self-defense training as a necessity and as an organizing tool by john a amani inspired by its mantra of a serve the people the black panther party's free breakfast program for children in the 60s as a material manifestation of this first commandment set out a model that could and ought be followed by all revolutionaries and in particular all revolutionary organizations That recipe was as simple as it was effective. Identify a need, find a way to solve the problems, do so regularly, in the same place, at the same time. There is a fourth dimension to this formula, and it is both the most important and most difficult thing to accomplish, because it depends upon the will, not of the existing organization in question, but of another organization elsewhere. Export the model by being a success in applying and executing those first three dimensions of organizational building, such that other comrades in other places would voluntarily decide to emulate the model presented by such an archetype organization, and to communicate with that organization and change and be changed by exchanging informations as learned through our work, study, and discussion. In this way, a proto-network consisting of separately localized proto-councils, proto-communes, or Soviets if you will, organized around and dedicated to bringing into existence the mantra of serve the people, might come into existence and with it force multiple possibilities of cooperation amongst those neighborhood-based organizations through communication with and exchange of ideas, decisions, plans, and actions. In November of 2007, following the attack upon the Migrant Human Rights March on May day of that year which resulted in the police riot in MacArthur Park, A group of committed comrades, following months of discussion and study, made the bold step of planning and executing regular distribution of fresh foodstuffs to the poor, the homeless, the lowly paid, and the constantly afraid migrant workers without papers. The distribution was initiated and continues every Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. at the southeast corner of Wilshire Boulevard and Parkview Street, Los Angeles, 9057. Those homeless, poor, working power, and migrants were the constituency that the Revolutionary Autonomous Communities, Los Angeles, the RACLA, chose to engage. It was soon not only for that constituency, it became of and by that constituency. The selfless aid given by the People's Free Soldiers of the RACLA was matched and then surpassed by those initially receivers of food who then became givers of food. Through their own efforts, ideas, and most importantly, their commitment, they became active with and within RACLA, abolishing the distinction between committed revolutionaries and what are called, really a put-down, the ordinary people. Ordinary people who took it upon themselves to do extraordinary things. The RACLA food program, La Programme Comida, continues. The program has extended through more than 500 straight Sundays. At its height, 200 baskets of food were distributed on a single day. Over 60,000 baskets have been distributed regardless of the weather. Companieres and comrades inspired, some perhaps only if unconsciously, by another mantra, this from Shea. At the risk of seeming ridiculous, let me say that the true revolutionary is guided by a great feeling of love. It is impossible to think of a genuine revolutionary lacking this quality. RACLA's decision to focus upon vegetables and fruits also brought with it another element in addition to mitigation of hunger. The plant-based foodstuffs distributed brought vitamins and nutrition otherwise difficult to obtain in food desert that is the MacArthur Park neighborhood. Serving the people The execution of this slogan is not limited to breakfast nor vegetables and fruits nor cooked, packaged, or frozen foods. Serve the people is not limited to food. A revolution is not a restaurant. It will have restaurants and schools and skills, teachers and doctors, even church services. One must not forget that the Negro church at the beginnings and throughout the civil rights movement played key, critical and crucial parts in that great struggle for recognition of an entire people's humanity. And ministers were lynched. Churches burned and children bombed. The fires and the bombings continue to this day and no doubt will be on the increase even more so now. In 2015, nine people were shot by a white racist as they attended Bible study. Indeed, the most successful of socialist organizations in the history of the United States, the Socialist Party, operated Sunday schools. Even the Catholic Church saw its priests propounding liberation theology in Central America For the nail in the coffin regarding an absolutist view of faith and faiths as inherently counter-revolutionary, one need look no farther than the Christian Bible, specifically Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, verses 32-35, to which reads, The whole group of believers was united, heart and soul. No one claimed private ownership of any possessions, as everything they owned was held in common. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great power, and they were all accorded great respect. None of their members was ever in want, as all those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money from the sale of them, to present it to the apostles. It was then distributed to any who might be in need. Now we are met on a great battlefield, where the humanity of not only black, but brown and red and yellow people, and now Muslim and Mexicans and migrants, youth threatened by jail, old people catching hell. And women engaged denied a fulfilling lives by the patriotic, male chauvinistic, fundamentalist homophobic mechanisms used by the ruling class to keep us divided, weakened, de skilled, physically as well as mentally doped and drugged, with potions of poisons concocted of equal parts subjective paranoia and objective threat. In short, who are the people we serve? The people, our people, are all those who must participate or are denied full participation in their lives, in their living and in life by the great wage-slaver capitalism. And thus the mass mantra to serve the people can come into being through any of many possible metamorphoses. Primary need solving, a la the RACLA or the Black Panther Party's free breakfast program, after-school tutoring, Study groups, occupation and utilization of shuttered public properties belonging to us, the public, such as closed facilities that could be used for regularly scheduled medical or legal or tenants' rights seminars and consultations, etc. Examples of this last include those that had and those that might have anchored themselves in their chosen neighborhood by seizing public property and wielding it for our own purposes. The attempted seizure of a closed library in Hyde Park by members of the Youth Justice Coalition in Los Angeles in 2011, and actions around it continue to this day. The seizure of a closed elementary school in Oakland by a coalition of organizations in 2012 and its use for after-school programs conducted by radicals and revolutionaries. The previous Occupy movements had they been centered upon the social control of public infrastructure and not merely the occupation of public space. It is a truism that before we can seize the private ownership of the major means of production, we must first seize the commons, public properties not being used and left to fall into disrepair. It belongs to us, why can't we use it? To do so successfully, it is imperative that we must first acquaint ourselves with the neighborhood and the neighbors. There is a wealth of support yet to be tapped if we simply went into the areas surrounding the targeted property, asking, Hey, We want to open up, e.g., an after-school tutoring class in that fill-in-the-blank that is owned by the -the fill-in-the-blank government and is not being used. What do you think of that? Who is going to respond to that with negativity? Not only that, there is a wealth of unused labor power in the citizenry of the neighborhood, especially amongst the retired, whose help can be enlisted in the classes and tutoring sessions. And these are people who vote. The discussion on the worth of elections is not germane to this discussion but recruitment of the retired to our revolutionary efforts will help to place some degree of political and social constraints upon the reactions of the politicians and the policing forces who are to some degree but only to that extent controlled by them to work study and discuss with comrades a fourth aspect can and ought be aimed at training specifically training in self-defense There is no need to repeat the daily stories of the Trumpist right attacks upon even the soft left, nor need we go back to the Greensboro Massacre where five good communists were shot and killed by clansmen. There is a need to talk about today and tomorrow. On the morrow, when we will have established a vibrant and viable socialist commonwealth, we will have done so only after surviving and thriving while doing so. The attacks of not only the bourgeoisies, policing forces, and the military, and also the ruling class's class-conscious dead allies, the alt-right members of the basically white working class. Lest we forget that there are also black and brown race traders in their midst egging those crackers on in their pitchfork and torches mentality, killing East Indians, mistaking them for Arabs, etc. Ignorance, hatred, and weapons, and economic insecurity make for a volatile and vile brew. The cops in the military know how to fight and shoot. The rednecks got plenty of woods to play paintball, imagining each other as a nigger, towelhead, or spick to take down in their minds, while in their trunks are AR-15s when it's time to do more than just practice. Now these last might not know how to fight, but you can bet that they know guns and how to use them, cause they do it. Niggas got guns and can't even shoot straight, trying to shoot each other, missing, hitting babies in the head. We need not only training, but a revolution in our thinking akin to that which swept out to sea gangs like the Slousens in L.A., but bringing back to the shore, Panthers in its wake. In the city, there is no place to train with a firearm save for a few pig-infested shooting ranges, so this will be difficult. Make note, I am not advocating, foreseeing, nor focusing on, quote, the violent overthrow of the government of the United States, end quote. Just to be sure, I most certainly do advocate just that if it becomes necessary to replace this decrepit pathological politico-social-economic woman-killing system and the coming attacks upon ourselves force no other option. I just do not think that that will be necessary. Among the great thoughts that emerged in the 60s was this by Jim Morrison in The Doors. They got the guns, we got the numbers. Then why have weapons? Same reason as the example to be used in this paper. Utilizing martial arts trainings as a means of organizing comrades and friends on their way to becoming comrades. And that reason, as indicated in the notes on Greensboro, etc. above, is self-defense. And more specifically, self-defense training is a means of attracting, organizing, and collaborating with cadre. The necessity for self-defense is obvious. Clashes with the alt-right are almost a daily occurrence and will only increase in frequency and intensity. This will bring clashes at protests with the policing forces that are already politicized and rife with far-rightists. In addition, crowd protection strategies must be developed and disseminated. Women, preyed upon by bullies motivated by more than just politics, need means of protecting themselves. The minorities of color, gays and lesbians, abortion rights activists, protesters, the homeless, migrants without papers and those who look like migrants without papers, white allies and comrades. In short, every sector of our class, the working class, will come under attack whenever and wherever we seek to make change. Even most of those who have drunk the Trumpist, racist, and nationalist Kool-Aid in due time will come to their senses, I do believe. If we want to see how this has already been worked out, look no further than the Autodefensa and Guerrero. Citizens in Ayutla de los Libres Guerrera, who banded together to take up arms and create auto defences or self-defense groups, to protect their communities as Mexico's increasingly complicated drug war continues. They formed out of a simultaneous need to control the cartels in this region, and growing distrust to the local state and federal authorities to help them. So it doesn't matter what problematic area of the capitalist arena, where daily our humanity is challenged, threatened, denied, the revolutionaries choose to work in, so long as an ease is identified, a means of solving it proposed, and these means are utilized at a regular place at a regular time. Episodic ventures into this or that sector at this or that time is not organizing. It is charity, and it really doesn't aid the negation of the persistent problems of sclerotic capitalism. It only soothes the conscience of a liberal while, admittedly, bringing a bit of relief to the recipient of that type of aid. But if that is all you can do, then do it. ex Lawson Gangster turned leader of the Black Panther Party in LA, Al Prentiss Bunchy Carter said it best, do something, do something nigga if you just spit. Spit if you can, when you can, where you can, and how you can. Spit at and spit on this system, this Morlockian eater of humans dining solely upon our flesh. A system that when it expels labor from its bowels, as it must expel labor from its bowels, regurgitates and spits out in mere pieces the human beings are and must be in this system. So do something. Do something if you just spit. Do charity work if you must. Some may do black block work as episodic radicals who go from this to that event and disappear in between. Do even that if you must. But the revolutionary on the revolutionary road must work to construct a mechanism for long-term organizing, and must thus follow the same thing, same time, same place mantra. The results to be obtained by doing so recalls to mind a modern adage, If you build it, they will come. Editor's Note There is much in John Imani's article with which we disagree, not the least of which is the attempted reconciliation of Christianity with socialism. It was in the Manifesto of the Communist Party that Marx wrote, quote, "Nothing is easier than to give Christian asceticism a socialist tinge." End quote. Throughout the history of the workers' movement up to and beyond the post war communist movement, fractions of varying degrees of influence and size have adapted themselves to forms of social Christianity or faith in general trying to mine the progressive elements of religion for use in the emancipation of the working class and the revolutionary movement towards communism. But these adaptations can only mimic the construction of a revolutionary movement. Whether talking about Christian trade unions, past and present, Germany, Canada, France, labor priests, and one doesn't have to go far back in history to find their reactionary role, i.e. A.E. Staley lockout in the 1990s, or attempts by revolutionaries to co-opt religious institutions, Latin America, it is a heritage of practical capitulation to what are inherently reactionary institutions and ideologies. The socialist revolution will be made against religion, because religion will be, as it always has been, against the socialist revolution, and the existence of religious faith will be, as it always has been, a major barrier to communism. Moreover, We disagree with the separation of private property, privately owned commercial buildings, privately owned means of production, and government property. Government and class are indissolubly linked by and in the reproduction of property through the exploitation of labor. While it may be tactically easier to seize ostensibly public property that has been abandoned, it should not go without comment that all property belongs to us. We just haven't seized it yet. The establishment of property, public or private, comes only at the use of batons, bayonets, bullets, and bombs. The entire existing means of production today was of course created by the working class, whether or not those means of production are state-owned or privately held. They had to be first wrested from the hands of the workers that produced them. We should not make a fetish of public land, as though we are entitled to the use of it in distinction from private land which we are not entitled to the use of. All property was created by the working class and as such, we must make no distinction in our theoretical approach to seizing state assets as opposed to private assets. One may be easier or more difficult as the situation exists, but in principle, all property was created and belongs to the working class. We don't believe that charity plays a role in the struggle against exploitation, as charity is essentially a gesture made to the helpless. Nevertheless, John's emphasis on the importance of self-defense training as a collective endeavor, as building a collaborative organization, is something with which we agree wholeheartedly.